9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to a Go Plug Yourself Just for Laughs mini-sode. That's a miniature episode. I took the, the words mini and miniature and episode and I smushed them together to say mini-sode. So it's a Go Plug Yourself Just for Laughs mini-sode. Um, Just for Laughs returns for its 41st edition this year, which is crazy. It's a year older than I am, um, and, I'm, and I'm old. Uh, the festival's running from July 14th to July 29th. There's an unbelievable amount of uh, live comedy that's coming to the city that you should definitely go and check out. Go to hahaha.com, you know, a great website that they've had for years. Every time I look at that URL, I'm like, I'm a little impressed. Um, Anyway, so sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, this episode with an amazing Just for Laugh artist. And uh, be sure to check out all that the festival has to offer from July 14th to July 29th in Montreal. Enjoy the show. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, it's time for another Go Plug Yourself podcast. My clock on my computer is telling me it's four minutes too so i need to get a new laptop everything <laughs> everything so, needs to yeah. be <laughs> this is this is too old and out of date yeah my, my my laptop is currently doing the thing where occasionally it just gets outrageously hot but it's not an all the time situation so i'm like this is about to get very bad <laughs> i think we all relied on our laptops so much during the pandemic that now we're like something starts going wrong with them and we're like oh no my lifeline to the world is <laughs> is in danger yeah. Exactly that. And I had a, quite a large Mac kind of for years that then went wrong. And I went and got a new hard drive put in it. What a stupid thing to do. That just should have just gone in a tip. <laughs> uh, everything's, it's from 2009. Yeah, I, that was, it was. That's a relic. That's, a, <laughs> that's it. An, an antique, yeah. It's an antique. That's what, if you go to the Genius Bar at the Apple Store, they look at like you come out of, off the ark. Yeah, the guy's like, I was three years old what? when they made yeah. this. <laughs> Any no, we don't we don't have the, up, the the updates for the updates for that yeah no and it's not like yeah there's no such thing as like a classic computer the way like classic automobiles are still like sought after you're just sort of like oh this old computer is really run smooth no it doesn't do yeah. anything anymore yeah uh, yeah alan how are you doing today how's uh ah, pretty good i went to a wedding yesterday oh an old, old friend of mine i've known for 35 years um and he, funnily enough, uh, was at my first ever stand-up gig. And oh. I was just chatting to another guy before I came to you. And he said to me, how did you get your start in comedy? And I thought, well, what a weird coincidence. I was in the very town with the very people uh, back in 1988. Uh, anyway, the wedding was uh, a carnage. It was a very... <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it was fun. But I'm so when the, the answer, the short answer to the question is yeah, okay. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you're here. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, yeah. You're I'm, on, I'm on time. I can't always yeah. exactly. You're you're com- you're the the clock on your computer made sure you were on time. <laughs> so yeah. it was perfect. Uh, Ines, we were talking before the show though. You uh, so Ines is a is a stand up comedian here in Montreal, and she was like, I have a bunch of kind of stand-up related questions from Alan, but we were sort of taking a look at your career. And more recently, you don't do much 
stand-up, at least in the traditional sense. You're on the panel shows all the time. And it's, I think, a rarity and a bit of a treat for us in Montreal that you seem to even tour it even less. So I feel that Canadian Canadian audience, Montreal audience, is in for, like, an awesome treat. You haven't even been to the festival since 1995, as I understand no. it. What did I do wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really racking my brains. I don't remember. Who, what, what, do you remember anything from the festival in 1995? I'll tell you what I remember. Was it all out? <laughs> I remember, and I don't know. Oh, I don't know if I should say that, Andy. Don't. Anyway, but no, I do. <laughs> uh, I remember I, I had a great time. I mean, I really did. Um, and uh, it was wonderful. And I spent quite a bit of time in Canada in the 80s, 90s, because I used to come and do the Fringe Festival. So okay. Wow. Yeah. One of the things I did that helped me get my act together, kind of literally, um, was the I, in '89 I did Ed, uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Victoria fringes. There, are, I know there are many fringes in all the cities nowadays. But yeah, yeah. It was pretty new then, and uh, and then I went every year to Edmonton and made a lot of friends at Edmonton. And, oh, cool. And so I was excited in '95 to get invited to Montreal and. I'd had a good year at the Edinburgh Fringe the year before, and that tended to be at a bit of an in to get invites to international festivals like Montreal and Melbourne in particular. Mm -hmm. So uh, I jumped at the chance. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you again in another 28 years, perhaps. Unless <laughs> um, you'll be about my age, and I will be 85. <laughs> Uh, Ines, so yeah, so Ines, like, do you have the you know, any, any questions you want to ask about stand up? Because like I said, I'm just the interviewer. You're you're the inside yeah, track of stand up. I, so, um, well, yeah, I wanted to ask actually, you know, because I I know that you you do a lot of uh, a lot of panel shows, QI. You've been on for so long, and I I watched you on Taskmaster, which I I love, and oh, cool. um, you know all those <laughs> other uh, amazing British panel shows. But you were also uh, you know Jonathan Creek for nearly two decades. So you have these this sort of like large presence in, in the, you know, British landscape that is um, not related to stand up. And I was wondering, um, especially because you do take large breaks between, you know, big tours, how, if at all that affects uh, your writing, like if you feel that you have to work harder to carve out a like a stage persona or voice for yourself, or if you find that's like a sort of natural extension of being your self with your sense of humor on these panel shows and and sort of being a humorous person in all these other ways um i think as soon as i get the microphone in my hand it all comes back to me you know and and it's my first love stand up and i i gig from time to time i was doing a show in brighton last week i tend to headline shows and do 30 40 minute sets um usually 30 rather than uh the last time I toured and the show I was doing was a couple of hours and that was too long. It was too long for me <laughs> and it was too long for everybody else, I think. But <laughs> they were very tolerant and they turned up and they laughed. But um, I, we had a third child, uh, Katie and I, my wife and I, who is now seven. And I don't want to be away a lot, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I don't want to be three, four nights out of town. Um, so... 
I sometimes I think about touring again, and then I think, no, I'll just stay home and wait for invitations. <laughs> so th th uh, this run of shows, where I'm doing a few nights in a row, is the first run of shows I've done for a while. And I, but it's a short set I'm doing, and I've 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 seen pictures of the room. It looks great. I know the other comedians. It's terrific. I've just it's it's what I used to do, what I loved, and I in the old days. You'd get Time Out magazine in London, okay. and that was a listings magazine. And you would look in the, it used to be the cabaret section, then it became the comedy section. You'd look at your gigs to see who you were on with. <laughs> and you'd, and that was how most of those people are still my friends. You know? yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, pre, pre social you know? media and stuff, you would just see a name in a listing and be like, I wonder if they're a nice person. Or, you couldn't stalk them at all. No. <laughs> had no idea what they looked like. <laughs> um, and so that, yeah, that, now I can't imagine. And I know there are a lot of I meet because I do a, a chat show called As Yet Untitled, mm -hmm. and we always have at least one young up and coming person. So I've been fortunate to meet Catherine Ryan, for example, mm -hmm. was. Yeah, we had, had her on the show first, last year. So she had her first. <laughs> uh, it was her first TV gig. Was on our show. Yeah, uh, she's there. Oh wow. She's really motoring now. She's hilarious, you know. But so I meet quite a lot of new people, and and I and I look at them. I say, now you can look them up. You mm -hmm. find them on YouTube, or you find them on TikTok, and so they're doing. Yeah, it's stuff. crazy. How do can... they work the technology? I mean, it's amazing. It's uh, it's like crazy to me now. Man. Yeah, exactly. That you can go and like if you're like if you're going to a stand-up show and you haven't seen one of the performers, even if if they're any any kind of a professional, there's a little bit of material you could watch online. So you like you could have an idea of what their comedy and stuff is like before going to see it so you're not going to get suddenly like shocked by like oh this is a macho bullshit comedian that i don't care about or whatever like you know like, it's just kind of you can you can jump right in and have an idea right away whereas i'm saying i'm sure back in the day with Time Out magazine you're just like i'm going in blind i see one name i recognize i hope this is a good night of comedy that well, matches my true. sensibilities but you know what's interesting about that is you talk about sensibilities the thing about our circuit mm -hmm. and the, the shows that were listed in Time Out was that there was a standard of, I suppose, what was then be called political correctness. Mm -hmm. But we were bio, not, not that people were anti-racist or anti-sexist overtly in their material, but by omission, by choosing not to make those sorts of jokes or go in those sorts of areas, um, that stuff got left out and that and we were known as the alternative circuit mm -hmm. the, the more ma the more mainstream comedians said we were the alternative to comedy which i thought was unfair <laughs> <laughs> that's rude uh, so you'd meet some quite eccentric characters but they you had to stay in your lane and we didn't want to do kind of the old-fashioned and particularly not the racist comedy of which there was quite a bit back in the 80s. I can imagine, yeah. And <laughs> so it, it was about taking a step forward and being a bit more up-to-date and and that, that battle still, as you well know, still being fought and, mm -hmm. and, and it, things can slip back pretty easily. So I, I, remain, you don't remains vigilant. To tell, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I was like between... Like Trump in North America and, and Brexit in the UK and whatnot, we know that it, it's we're always on the precipice of regression, right? Like yeah. It's, it's always possible. Yeah. yeah, now we're all woke, which some people 
think is a dirty word, but I'm very proudly woke. Somehow, somehow that's a negative. <laughs> Although sometimes I think, oh God, really, it's hard to keep up. Ah. Sometimes you really do have to think, is, is that word, that word's not good now? Okay. No, it's, it's, I think it's fine. <laughs> you need like a, a, glossary, <laughs> a glossary of terms. If someone, if someone calls you out for being woke, it's probably because you did something right, I think. Most likely. Yeah, like, for the most part. You were really trying not to be offensive. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> Catherine Ryan and how you got, gave her one of her first uh, panel shows. We had t- talked to Catherine last year. Um, and something that, that stuck out to me about that interview and also to sort of what you do on, on QI as yet untitled Taskmaster, so on and so forth, is there seems to be more opportunities in the UK for comedians to kind of get themselves out there and on television and in front of the audience. Like in Canada, we don't, have panel shows and certainly not like long-standing ones that are like beloved and every now and then they'll, they'll pop up we have talk shows which are not the same because you're just there to talk the thing up you're not just there to have a conversation and really put yourself out there do you yeah, think that like play a game that is meant to sort of highlight you know or give you many opportunities to be a funny person sort of you know yeah exactly that's it i was just gonna i was wondering like do you think that that is sort of like like what what was different about the uk scene that allowed that to flourish and it was like is there a way that canada or could copy it because i was like i would watch the hell out of panel shows with a bunch of canadian comedians they just don't seem to ever get made yeah it's a shame and i think what can happen is broadcasters in particular can be very nervous about unscripted material. Mm-hmm. Mm. They really want to see, what are you going to say? Uh, what are you going to... I mean, I've been asked for the Just for Laughs gala to transcribe my act, yeah. which I, I have, I've never done that in my life. And I know it's... Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ines went through that ordeal what... last year. She's like, hang on, what? <laughs> She's like, this doesn't yeah, exist. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know how do you do that. I was actually Googling apps that would do that for me, you know. And I don't even know what seven minutes, how do you do seven minutes? That's really not very long and I need to work that out before the gala. But but the reason, I know it's just someone's job. Someone's got to do that. It's someone's got to check that and that's their job to do that. And I need to provide that information for them and I, mm-hmm. would, I will get to it. But that, yeah, so I guess the idea of like hitting a primetime slot with no script must make them like really nervous. I'll do a bit of my act, and trust me, I'll be fine. But I no, no, I think uh, for the panel shows, for the TV producers, though, you're like, I'm going to put, give me money for twenty episodes. Is there a script? There is not. <laughs> you know, it like... makes it makes them nervous. And some shows in the UK, what they what they like to do is they like a, and it's great because it gives work to lots of comedy writers who mm-hmm. don't not necessarily want to be on stage, but they want to do comedy. So they write jokes, and they write jokes, and jokes are prepared, provided. But the shows that I've always loved to do are the ones like well, QI was a great idea. John Lloyd had the idea mm-hmm. 20 odd years ago. He wants to start the conversation going. There's a bedrock of research, really mm-hmm. quite interesting, literally, <laughs> research. Yeah. And the standard of that research and the standard of the people behind the scenes is maintained, even though the cast has changed continually mm-hmm. over, the, over the years. And it's an, everything is an opportunity to be a jumping off point, to get a ball in the air. I always say to guests, just speak. If it's on your, in your head, say yeah. it. If it's not funny or doesn't work, it won't make the edit. Yeah. Just got to keep the, we've got to keep the ball in the air between us. You can't answer the questions. They're incomprehensible. That's the point. <laughs> and you won't know the answer. And if you do, don't say it. That's boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
And with As It Untitled, we really did want to create a forum where we could be as loose as possible. Mm -hmm. So we have four guests, and they're usually comedians, not always. There's always somebody new, like Catherine was, or Mm -hmm. somebody new around the table. They have a couple of stories, a couple of anecdotes each, which they've run past the producer. I don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. They may be brilliant stories. They may be hilarious, in which case, (laughs) that's great. They may just be amusing, but then it's a jumping off point for everyone else. And because we sit around a table, it goes back and forth, and I'm not always in the conversation. I'm always laughing at something. They're very funny. I like being in their company. But it was it was created. Yeah, then you t- you place your trust in the edit. Mm-hmm. We record. We take for a couple of hours. They need four twelve minute sections. Yeah, for an hour long commercial TV show. And they will go away and they will cut those 12 minutes. I'm not involved in that. I could go to the edit. Why would I do that? That's someone's job. They're good at that. I'm finished. <laughs> I get in the car and I go home. I like doing shows with no prep and no <laughs> aftermath. You know? And man after my own heart, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> you know? My exact approach and, to interviews is this. Is... And, and I think I'm probably, uh, I don't know how you feel in this, but probably like a lot of comedians, I like the bits in the show where something happens and everything goes off on a tangent. And then mm-hmm. you then you're starting to think oh, I better get back to my set. Actually, I think I don't know how long I've got. But when things happen in the room, and that's why live comedy is the best, and that's why we love it. Things happen in the room, and it's off the cuff. Someone might say something happens. You think of something, and then a whole new bit of comedy emerges. Every bit of material that I've ever had in 35 years has been created in part on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, tell a story, tell it again, tell it another time, and it starts to settle into something. Yeah, I, I I totally agree, and I think that's why I've I've had a hard time sort of getting on board with um, the more like on online versions of uh, of stand up, and I, I don't know, I always I feel like I'm being kind of an old curmudgeon and like resisting the new technology or something, but I think it is about that because there are people who uh, do what is, is very could very easily be transposed to a stage you know they just stand in front of their camera and tell a little bit and they're usually shorter because they go on tiktok and whatnot but it is in most ways just a stand-up routine but they might never have stepped uh you know on a stage they just do it on tiktok and that's where they find their audience and i guess that works for them but to me that seems to sort of take the best bit out of it that you're not talking directly live to a group of people and then seeing how that affects what you're about to say you're not you are just reading your own scripted you know (laughs) you maybe did write it down and transcribe it and yeah it just seems to take a lot of the sort of spontaneous fun and creativity out of it um yeah and it's a it's a it listen the pandemic was really a a hit for everyone wasn't it so Mm. uh people just sitting at home i couldn't imagine i would say so often to people I can't imagine. Can you hear me? My sound's yeah. gone. Oh, there you are. Yeah, um, if I was in my twenties, and there'd been a pandemic, I was out gigging five nights a week. That was my life. That was my social life because I was always gigging every Friday and Saturday. If I'd had to stay indoors, living on my own, I would have lost my mind. So I really, I felt bad for people who were just in that bit of their comedy career when they were out learning it, learning how to do it. But I do feel, really, to be a comedian, you've got to do at least five years in the clubs. You've got to, you've got to learn your craft. You've got to be on stage, mm-hmm. and and that's the best. That's the only way to be a, an a, actual comedian. And comedians can be quite snobby about what constitutes a real <laughs> comedian. You know? 
No, yeah. this Don't person say. is not a real comedian. They haven't done their time. You know? Yeah, they haven't <laughs> earned their stripes. Yeah. Yeah, quite. Hang on. So we're, um, just, we're just about. Oh, hang on. You have one more question. I was just going to hit the the audience with the with the shows that you're actually doing at JFL. But if, yes, if you have something just quick before we wrap up. Oh, I just I was just going to say because we you know we were talking about how you know Canada doesn't have the robust sort of panel show scene that um, the the UK has, and and because of what Alan was talking about, that made me think of how much that is a loss for not just performers but writers and editors. Because the ed- you're talking about editing, the editing on those shows like is is a big part of why they're so successful because they do you know condense like three hours of people just riffing into like a really well almost choreographed you know Mm. um hour of television so i don't know that just made me think that we just have such a gap in the industry overall and that'd be uh, nice to get back we're gonna do it we're gonna get a canadian panel show that's what's gonna happen we're gonna talk to the cbc we're gonna make it go do it uh yeah so just to hit the hit the date so the shows that you are performing on you're on the the brit ish show Mm -hmm. that's Uh, the one that's the one with the host of jen brister uh, yourself jeannie asher josie long uh, Jamali Maddox and Ruben K. So that is, that is a good lineup, by a, the way. It's a, an amazing lineup. And again, <laughs> yeah. like I said, it, it's it's if you're any kind of fan of like British comedy, that there's not a lot. I don't think there's a lot of opportunities in North America to watch a lineup like that in general. No, yeah. there won't be. It's not yeah. a not but a. Thing. so many so many different. It's sort of like a very varied lineup. Also, you know, from Gentile and to Jamali, like you're gonna get a. A, a good platter <laughs> yeah you, you really are and i saw reuben k in edinburgh a couple of years ago that you're gonna laugh <laughs> <laughs> i'm just ready for that uh i'm not sure if jfl's messed up are you on the edit Izard gala because they've messed up our our, our info yes, yes you are also I, on that's, the that's what gala. i'm uh, so i've been told eddie and i started doing stand-up comedy in about uh, almost the same week i think oh wow so oh wow we've known, we've known each other the, the true elder statesman of comedy yeah that's it <laughs> yeah uh, and uh, it's been really nice to to see him again yeah and so yeah the eddie Izard gala is only the one time july 28th uh, 945 mm-hmm. but then the the british show is uh, multiple nights july 25 to july 29 yes that's right so that's perfect yeah come on down i'm excited alan uh great to talk to you great to see you uh, i'm excited to see you live apparently uh it's a once in a lifetime opportunity since it was 1995 <laughs> to 2013 yeah. so in montreal yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have a have a have a great afternoon <laughs> Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, Thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, If you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy Facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street. Uh, We really have to rely on word of mouth, which uh, basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show, Please uh, share it, link it, uh, tell your friends about it. Say, hey, there's this show called Go Plug Yourself. They talk to Montrealers or people that have stuff going on in Montreal or uh, just people that have stuff to uh, promote that we kind of care about. We can we can go outside of Montreal if we want to. Um, yeah, so just tell tell people about the show. It's a, 
it's a fun show. We, we like doing it a lot. We've done it for over 200 episodes, and uh, it's in large part thanks to support from uh, people like you. Um, if you want to support the show at all, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash 9to5cc and uh, throw a couple bucks our way. It really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part. We're really not trying to make a profit on this. Um, and also, if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show, you can uh, contact us either on Facebook or on Twitter. There's a bunch of ways to find us uh, and uh, and let us know. And if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out, maybe you can be the next person who uh, comes on the show and... Uh, plugs something a uh, big thank you as always to leland beckman and oral turpitude who provided our theme songs and of course a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show uh walter j ling who is technically retired but still sometimes hosts uh christopher vendito lawrence corber and uh, ines anaya uh, all are all amazing co-hosts and you should support them and their comedy and uh and all of that uh thank you for listening thank you for choosing go plug yourself uh as one of your from the millions of podcasts and have a beautiful day. Thank you. 905.cc Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.